Welcome back, boogers, to the Late Night Fright here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we are talking about one of our favorite movies of all time, the 1992 Tim Burton film, Batman Returns. Faith, it's a good day because I love this movie. Oh, yeah, me too. I also love our listeners, and I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in wherever you are. We have listeners in Australia. We have them in the UK. We have them all over here in the States. And listen, if you're in Canada, give us a listen. If, if you've heard about the show, give us a listen because we have a map, and we get to see where all of you are, and we really want to fill in that map. And it's exciting us seeing the map fill in. But it's just it's great knowing that there's people out there uh, listening to the show. Some of you have been very kind and left us reviews and we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening and you haven't done that and you get the time, please do that. That helps us in the ratings. Uh, that helps us keep this show going. Uh, we can grow the show and we are going to do our best. We're never going to ask you for money. We're never going to say, Hey, you have to pay for content. This is all, this is a free show. This is a place where you get to come and hang out with us. And, uh, we get to talk about one of our favorite things, movies and have a little fun. And I, th- I hope that it comes through that we're having fun. We appreciate you. Uh, we're glad you're with us. If you've been with us from the beginning, if you're new, if you're a new booger, uh, former ghost and goblin, but a new booger, uh, we are glad to have you all. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, this is why we do this for for all of you. Yep, this absolutely. is why we do it. And uh, our sincere hope with this show, and you know, we've never really talked about this. Uh, our sincerest hope with this show is to make you laugh, mm-hmm. is uh, to give you a little break from the world for for an hour, hour and a half. And also to share our, our love of movies. Uh, in case you haven't guessed, I, I have a formal background in film. Uh, I studied screenwriting at college. I actually got a degree in it. Faith, you don't have any formal skills in it, but uh, she is, uh, I mean this sincerely, she's one of the sharpest, sharpest tools in the shed that I know. And oh, thank you. she brings uh, a very unique perspective to things uh, I think one of the things that makes this work is we have a lot of uh, similar ideas on things. I think there's some some differing things, the way that uh, we might see a certain aspect of something, which makes for some fun conversations. And mm-hmm. uh, there's no one else I would rather do the show with. There's there's there was always one name on each other's list. We wanted to do a show. We have a show and love doing the show. We're going to keep doing this show. Damn it, cute. we're going to keep doing it. <laughs> And uh, so there you have it. But sincerely, to everyone out there listening, uh, like I said, all around the world, here in the States, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Yes, thank, thank you, you so much. And, uh, and one other thing, like I said, if you have a minute, please give us a review. Drop us, Give us a rating. Give us a review. Tell one friend about us that you think might like us. Tell one friend. And, uh, tell one, tell ten. Tell one, tell ten. Tell as many as you like. Tell them all. Tell them all. Send out a group text. Send out a big group text. But um, see, this is live. We're not going to edit that. I just hit the microphone. I hit the microphone with my notes, but we're going to leave that in. Last week, I dropped my glasses. This week, I hit the microphone. So um, sincerely to everyone out there, thank you. And our other hope is that you just go out and watch these movies. Just go watch, watch these movies. We're just... 
you know, trying to present a cross section of these fun horror movies that, that we like. And let's get back to the movie tonight. Batman Returns, while not technically a horror movie, Faith, I think has some very distinct horror elements yeah, to some it. Horrific things in some it. horrific things. And I think of the four main leads as monsters from the old monster movies, especially from the Universal series. And I told you that you this told week. Tell me about that, but I'd like to get your. And, and I think I kind of, kind of made you kind of, your eyes kind of maybe mm-hmm. popped up just a little. So this is what I have for this. I see the character of Batman as a werewolf in this movie because he is a man who changes into an animal. Ooh, deep, right? Ah, but what is my evidence for that? Right. You're asking, you're thinking, what is his right. evidence for that? Well, we did talk about the bat signal earlier mm-hmm. and that shines through that window like the moon, if you will. Ooh, it's Ooh. getting deeper. Ooh, how deep, how deep can we go, Faith? That's what she That's said. That's what she said. <laughs> I set you up for that. That's what she said. Um, so I see him as a werewolf. He's a man during the day, but he turns into an animal at night. Would you buy that for a dollar fifty? Absolutely. Two dollars. Two dollars. And and a bag of chips? Yeah. What about uh what about peanuts at the ballgame? Possibly. All right, possibly. Uh the penguin I see as being heavily influenced by the Phantom of the Opera from both the novel, but also especially from the Lon Chaney movie from nineteen twenty five. And uh, the Phantom lived in the sewers under the Paris Opera House. There are some wonderful shots in that movie of the shadow on the wall. And how many shots of DeVito do you have in this movie with, with the shadows in the sewers? I mean, just that yeah. his intro is all shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, living in the sewers. I, and there's a, there's a tragic quality to to him as well as to the phantom and the phantom is kind of an anti-hero he's a villain and an anti-hero it's kind of the line is blurred the line is blurred here i think with the penguin he is a villain he's an antagonist there's a sympathetic quality to him right. as well um we're going to talk a little bit more about him in depth because he's i think he's very interesting i think Me i think too. it's a great i think he's a great character uh, so I see, I see him as being influenced by, by the Phantom, especially, like I said, the 1925 Phantom and the other kind of smoking gun I have for that is that the Lon Chaney 1925 film is the closest that they've come to really putting that book on screen. Uh, the Robert England version is pretty close in some respects, but this Phantom, the Lon Chaney Phantom was born disfigured. The penguin was born disfigured, lives in the sewers. I'm going to let let you figure out the rest. I think you can kind of make the connections from there. Now, then we have the Selena Kyle character, and I think you could maybe say that she's a zombie, but I don't, because uh, she comes back to life. Would we right. say that she comes back to life, or did she survive the fall? I don't know. I was always asked that, too. Did she technically die, or... I I don't know. I don't I don't know. Um but uh you could say that she's a zombie, but I like to think of her as a mummy. And the reason that I think of her as a mummy is first off, look at the way that she's dressed. She is literally wrapped up. Mm-hmm. I mean, wrapped in their stitchings, you know. Um and also the mummy in especially in the nineteen thirty two Karloff movie, he was back for uh he it wasn't revenge. He he was back for love. He was obsessive. He had an obsession, and he had an obsession with the woman in that film. 
she has an obsession in this movie. She is zeroed in on Max Shrek. Mm-hmm. That is her her rhyme and reason in this movie. Um, falling for Bruce Wayne is a diversion from her plan, but uh, that we're going to get into her character too. But uh, what do you think? Because um, that that to me seems like it could be a stretch. I completely agree with you, and I never I never noticed that ever before. So that's very clever. the stitchings, yeah. And and what what I, what started making me think about it was actually the first the the, the last guy I'm about to mention, Max Shrek. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know who Max Shrek was? Did you did you happen to look that up? I don't think I don't know. Max Shrek, and let me just tell you, uh, Max Shrek to me is the vampire. Okay. I think I think that's pretty self. I mean, he is literally sucking. <laughs> power from he sucks exactly. <laughs> he sucks power from gotham city max shrek was an actor max shrek was a german actor that is the name of an actual person and max shrek oh yeah i did see that played <laughs> nosferatu count orlock in nosferatu who was a vampire <laughs> so again make your own connections there i i i don't think i'm off on on this too all. much again Tim Burton uh, loves the old horror movies, loves the old uh, monster movies, loves the German expressionistic movies, which were uh, horror movies for the most part and definitely influences on horror movies and the old universal stuff. So uh, with that said, uh, yeah, here's another question that, that came to me, and I was thinking about this earlier. The way that this movie looks like an old film from the 30s and 40s, and now we've got this kind of 1930s, 1940s universal monster movie influence on it. Would this movie have worked in black and white? I don't know. That's a good I, question. I could see this movie in so. black and white, or at least color, color corrected, you know, toward a duller uh, mm-hmm. scale, yeah, as dull as these, because there's nothing bright and poppy yeah. in this. But I, that would be really interesting to see this, not only as a black and white movie, but also as a silent movie. It might be kind of fun to watch cool. too. Um, so you you do agree with me on the monster movie influence? The kind of creature feature. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I've never really as it is. noticed that before with all of them, but that's very clever, and I agree. And that's something I came up with, like I said, the last viewing that we did for this. So um, so you never noticed it in the past? or The Max Shrek I knew about. Okay. Um, you know, but no, I never, I never really started putting it. And again, that's what I was saying. This movie gets better with each viewing and, and kind of, as I get older, it, it even right. becomes even, even better. You know, it's a, it's a pretty mature movie. It's, it's really good, but it's also really fun too, which is, is which is the irony of <laughs> I'm all ready this. To watch it again. <laughs> um, there's also in this movie, quite a bit of religious symbolism. Did you catch a lot of that religious symbolism? Mm-hmm. I did. Um, you start off with the uh, with the basket going down the river, much mm-hmm. like Moses. Uh, there's the Christian cross there in the um, graveyard with mm-hmm. with the penguin when he goes to visit the parents. There is uh, kind of the the resurrection of Oswald uh, Cobblepot mm-hmm. when he comes up out of that sewer, like he's in that kind of almost Christ pose, mm-hmm. you know, and then. Uh, then, but then he goes back down, you know, into the underworld. So, um, and his story is is paralleled, I think, to Bruce Wayne, as we said, because there's that line in this movie. Uh, I think I might be paraphrasing here. You're just mad because I'm the genuine freak, and you have to wear a mask. Right. Um, do you see the penguin as 
uh, an antichrist figure. Yeah, I do. Completely. <laughs> so then would you see Batman then kind of being his polar opposite yeah. as the Christ figure? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I do think that there is a rebirth to Batman in mm-hmm. this movie and there's a death yeah. to the Penguin. I think, I think there's enough similarities and differences that you could make that argument. I just want to throw that idea out there. I don't really want to go too far down, down that road, but just for people out there listening. And if you have a thought on that, please send it in. But that is definitely something that I was, I was catching in this movie. I I can definitely see it. But the religious, the religious symbolism is there. I mean, you Mm -hmm. follow that basket and there's so many, you know, characters throughout mythology with the basket and the river and, and all this and his ascension into the world, you know, and from the underworld to the, to the, you know, real world back down in the underworld. So let's talk about the penguin. Uh, what do you think of the penguin? He's disgusting and evil, but I love him. <laughs> why, why do you think you love him? I don't know. He just has this charm about him that you just can't help but to love him. Uh, and let me, let me throw this idea out to you right. from the moment that we encounter the penguin from the beginning. Um, he fails. Mm-hmm. He fails at everything that he wants to do in this movie. And speaking of the religious uh, symbolism, I forgot the big one, which is Passover, because his plan in this movie is indeed Passover, kill the firstborn uh-huh. child. So uh, he fails. Uh, he gets thrown into the river. He's abandoned by his parents because he's vile and evil right. and gross. Um, he... Uh, proposes he tries to get with Catwoman that doesn't work he runs for mayor that that doesn't work now with all that said there there's some diversions for him in this movie and there's diversions for all of the characters really uh, except for Batman because he is Batman the entire movie but um, the penguin his plan is to kill the firstborn children of Gotham that's right and he fails spectacularly at that when that doesn't come to fruition for him, he decides that he's going to go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> well, actually, first he decides that he's going to blow up, you know, he's going to blow 100,000 people sky high. That doesn't work out for him. Then he decides he's going to go out in a blaze of glory. That doesn't work. Nothing works for him. He tries to kill Batman at the end of the movie and mm-hmm. ends up picking the child umbrella. So he's a complete failure <laughs> throughout this entire movie. Yet there's something very sympathetic uh-huh. about him. And why do you think that there is something sympathetic about him? Because, I, and I'm not going to lie, I like him too. And when I was, you know, we were watching the movie, I see him as someone, you have that kind of thing for the, for the outsider, you, mm-hmm. you know, as, as someone you would definitely like. And do you have any idea why it is that he, he strikes a, a chord with you? I really don't know, to be honest with you. I just, he's just charming in, in some weird way. <laughs> Very weird way, yeah. I don't know what it is, really. And it's like we were talking about, though, again, as I said, and you made the point, too, this movie is always about Batman. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who's on the screen. It's always about mm-hmm. Batman. Um, the character of the Penguin is someone who is ostracized. And these people, uh, Selena, it's, this movie seems to be about the way society treats people. And Max Shrek seems to be the stand-in for society because he has that line, I believe, I am its dark twist. I am the city's heart and its dark twisted soul. So he's the way that he treats these characters kind of shows you how society treats them. Right. He just doesn't even look at Selena. 
he doesn't care about Selena until yeah. it's he needs to kill her because mm-hmm. she's she's you know um, she's you know getting into things she shouldn't be right. getting into. She's a she's a liability mm-hmm. to him. Uh, Oswald he he just kind of uses, but he just and that's a great scene with Walken when he just walks away when the speech goes south <laughs> and just walks away, giving that shrug like oh well you know. Uh, but the way that society treats these characters, I think it, it says a lot about them. And the, the penguin is the most tragic because he's just, he's, he's kicked out. Mm-hmm. He's kicked out of society twice, yeah. twice in this movie. He's kicked out. He's kicked out by his parents and he's able to come back and then he's, he's kicked out again. So he's forcibly removed from society. And I think that there is an element, uh, like we said, Batman, that you can identify with the tragedy. Who hasn't felt like an outsider right. in their life? Who, yeah. who hasn't felt like you know? Oh, I'm not good enough to to, to go out with so and so and so, you know? And right. and who hasn't who hasn't felt like that enraged child? And he is a child, by the way. If you oh. look at the way he's dressed in that mm-hmm. movie, like a child. Uh, very much like a child. Catwoman treats him like a child. Yeah. You know. Um, so I think I think that he connects with people on that kind of real deep, primal, spiritual level of, I think everybody feels like a freak sometimes. That's a good point. If you haven't felt like a freak, I don't think you're human. Mm-hmm. And he is a booger. He is dead. I love that makeup job. Me too. I think a lot of it, too, comes from DeVito. And uh, what do you think of DeVito in this movie? I couldn't picture anybody else in it. I don't think anybody else, you know, there were some names I think that were thrown about. I think Dustin Hoffman was on, was on the list. Uh, but I think it was the casting director and it was Jack Nicholson who actually told Tim Burton said in their old buddies, he and DeVito, he said, dude, you got to put DeVito in. And they said the list for short, angry men in Hollywood is, is not very long. And he's actually read that Danny DeVito found out he was, wanted to play that role in the newspaper before they even told him about it. Right. <laughs> so. And I remember, I remember after the first Batman movie came out, you know, they were talking about, cause at that time the most popular villains were, you know, the Joker, the penguin, the Catwoman, those, you know, from the TV right. show, if they were on the TV show, you, you know, you know, who, and the Riddler, I think was the other one. But, uh, I remember reading, it was like a no brainer. Like Danny DeVito was going to play the penguin. There was nobody else you know, to play the penguin. I think, what he brings to this movie is absolutely, I don't think you could do this movie without him. I think, I don't want to say that he's the star of the movie, but I think he's Tim Burton's favorite character in this Mm -hmm. movie. And I, you know, you talked about Keaton's eyes. I was noticing DeVito's eyes in this Mm -hmm. movie and how beautiful they looked with that, with that raccoon. Uh Uh, What do they call that? There's a, there's a technical term for that. The smoky, the coal, is it coal? Like, there's a actual anyway it does, doesn't matter I, I digress like bobby does um anyway uh everything he does though, from the physicality you know to he he, he sp- plays it so well i mean like i said i even read too that um when they threw the tomatoes at him mm-hmm. in the garbage or wherever they threw him mm-hmm. tomatoes and something um they wanted somebody to stand in for him but he didn't want that so that's actually him really standing there getting right. stuff thrown at him so i mean he he played it. <laughs> yes, he did. And he brings, um, I think he brings a real malevolence to it. And I've noticed this in his work, too. There's a there's a mean streak in Danny DeVito. There is. There, there is a mean streak going back to his TV show, Taxi, Louis De Palma, which was, and, and if you've never seen the show Taxi, please watch Taxi. Um, 
Louis De Palma uh, had a mean streak in him. He has this mean streak in him. I don't know if he has that in real life. He seems to gravitate towards darker roles too like in in some of the movies that he's directed like throw mama from the train and the war of the roses there's a there's a a, a darkness to him uh, uh just a real seed of meanness right. <laughs> to him i you know we were talking we i know i brought up the the historical thing with with harrison ford and freddy krueger and how boy what would have happened if that inverted I could see DeVito playing Freddy Krueger, you know, this, this little chihuahua, you know, like, like this junkyard dog. He, he's a great actor though. On, he and he's, and he's very funny and he brings all of that here. And I feel like the penguin is a threat. Like oh, he is, too. he is a physical, a mental and a spiritual threat <laughs> whenever he is on screen. He really is like a chihuahua. I mean, he's tiny, but <laughs> yes, you don't want to get, don't wanna mess with you him. don't want to mess with this guy. And completely vile, I know. and 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 ugly looking. I mean, that is the word for it. Even ugly. His mouth, his teeth, and his mouth, and that the, and that crud that comes that so comes out that of his exactly? mouth. Uh, like black gum. Now, are you saying like how did they do that? Because I read that it was like mouthwash and and you something. Know, I, mean, what was, what I don't know. It's bile, I guess. You know. Um, like he also that was such a clever. Addition to the bile, and it was literally like bile. His character is just bile. Mm-hmm. You know, he he lives in the sewers. This is the this character to me is. Uh, we're going to talk about her in just a second here, Michelle Pfeiffer. But when we were doing what lies beneath, she had that great quote about you know very rarely do we talk about how we're actually feeling. You know, the penguin is how we actually feel mm-hmm. most of the time. I think the penguin is a stand-in for how we all feel. Yeah. You know, we, we've been in traffic together. You know that that angry little person <laughs> wants to come out of me. Um, and I think that's that's true for a lot of people. Uh, but he's great. And as I said, he kind of represents Batman's monster, mm-hmm. the monster inside of Batman, because he is. Batman is a monster. There's a monster inside exactly. of him. Um, so very ugly, very, very evil. And we love him. Absolutely. And and he's an he is kind of an anti-hero in that we're we see his demise throughout this movie and it starts even as before he's born it, it's already started for this poor guy and you love every minute of it every minute of watching this guy fall you just you just love it and uh let me ask you this. He he dies at the end, and there are penguin pallbearers for him. Mm-hmm. And how did that make you feel? Do you feel anything when you see that? I do. It's a special little moment. It's a special little moment. And uh, I have another point to make. I think uh, these characters get, get a moment uh, where we see their underbelly, the three of them. Um, you see it in, the, in that moment. You see his soft underbelly, even though he's dead mm-hmm. at that point. But somebody loved him. You know, we're all capable of love, of being loved. And even someone loved the penguin and Batman got to see that little moment. And it's weird. And it just completely fits in with this world. <laughs> you know, I read somebody say uh, there is a there is a critic. I can't remember. Forgive me for not being able to, to recall the name, but 
somebody said that uh, this movie is so weird that at the end, when penguins with rockets strapped to their back show up, that it feels like the most natural thing in the world. And right, I didn't even think twice about I, it. I, I didn't even think twice about it. I was like, of course, of course they would, of course they would be there. Of so, uh, so we're in agreement with the penguin. Uh, and do you agree with me that the penguin is indeed a booger? Oh, of course. I think I think he's a great booger. I think he's, I think Danny DeVito's penguin is one of the Hall of Fame boogers. I I, I, I don't think. I don't think this movie gets enough credit for the horror elements because uh, the stuff with him with the shadows, like we said, the mm-hmm. Universal movies, that is straight out of German expressionistic cinema. And if you need any more proof that German expressionistic cinema, like we said, Max Schreck, he played, uh, he was in the movie Nosferatu, and that is a piece of German expressionistic cinema. So it's it, the pieces are all there, which I think is part of why I said this would make a really great silent movie because it really does play on the faces. And so we talked about a very ugly face. Let's talk about, uh, I think it's a very beautiful face and she is one of my favorites. She's, I think she's one of your favorites too. Let's talk about Michelle Pfeiffer as Selena Kyle. Uh, what are just your general impressions of Selena Kyle and, and where she starts in this movie and where she might you know, end up that she is a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> she she is a hot mess. Starts off as a bit of a hot mess. Um, you do get that kind of innocent childlike vibe from her, who but who's also depressed and cynical, maybe in a way. That makes any sense? Absolutely, it does. Uh, do you, now let's talk about her before she transforms into into the Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like Selena Kyle? Not really. I don't. I don't like her either. I don't like her. I don't like her. I like Michelle Pfeiffer playing her, but I don't like Selena I don't Kyle. Like the, yeah, I, I don't like the character of Selena. Kyle. I, uh, I I feel like she needs a good swift kick in the ass. She does. Um, I think she's. I, I don't. She's better than she gives herself credit for mm-hmm. in that movie. She she has a real problem with self esteem at the beginning exactly. of that movie. Uh, that's why she listen. You know, I know there's a term out there, you know, called victim blaming. I'm not victim blaming her here, but. Her self-esteem issues lead to her uh, letting people walk all over her, mm-hmm. and she lets Max Shrek walk all over her. Uh, I again, I, it's not that I don't like her; it's just I think that she, you know, she she is a likable character. I just don't right. like her. She, it's not someone I would want to know. Right. Exactly. Um, I think there's a sweetness to her. I think there's a naivety to her, and she definitely does change throughout this <laughs> movie. So. So we talked about Selena, where she is. Now let's talk about where she goes. <laughs> what do you think about Selena uh, after the uh, cats come and make out with her fingers, and she comes back to life? What do you, what, what do you think of this character called Catwoman? I love Catwoman. <laughs> Why do you love Catwoman? I like, I like her transformation from Selena Kyle. If they wouldn't have showed that, and she just would have showed up as Catwoman, it wouldn't have stood out as much, probably to me. I think her. Watching her transformation, it's a complete opposite of who she was. I think Catwoman might be the most interesting character in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I think she's the most interesting character in the movie because she's a direct reflection of Batman. I think, I think, I think what happened to Bruce Wayne as a, as a teenager or I, I don't know. Was he 12, 11, however old he was when his parents were killed? You know, it kind of changes depending on the, on the uh, origin that you're looking at, but uh, he he went through this transformation too, I think, and she's gone through this this transformation. Society has done something to her. In this case, you know, with Bruce Wayne, right. killed his parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
she got killed <laughs> this 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 go around and so society has done something and it changes it changed them it changed mm-hmm. the both of them and there's so many similarities and like we said with the with the killing of the uh the poor little uh, stuffed animals and the breaking of the dollhouse and and uh the machine going on and she, she breaks that answering machine when the mom calls and she then busts the lights she, out oh the hell here yes. yeah yeah and she becomes this really sexual creature too mm-hmm. and i don't i don't think she's hypersexualized either i think she just kind of owns it mm-hmm. she owns exactly. who who she is as this woman and i think it's it's a lot of fun to watch it's still fun to watch mm-hmm. and i i get excited for her that she that she's come into it you know like that she has like discovered herself right i feel like she's finally discovered herself now let me let me ask you this uh because you know we live in a day and age where it's very easy to offend these days and you don't even realize you know our buddy bobby is going through the same thing <laughs> with uh with the with the queen and uh with queen fatima and um a lot of people hold up the cat woman in this film as as a feminist type icon do you do you think of her as a as a feminist at all or do you just think that this is a strong character she becomes a strong character i can see her as feminist in a way i can see it too what i think is very interesting in this movie though is that she gets what she wants in a way she has power in this movie mm-hmm. but it does not complete her True. and i don't think that killing max shrek completed her either i mm-hmm. think i think that she and this is gonna this is gonna lead into a bigger issue here that i'm gonna talk about uh she's the extreme female in this movie yeah. the penguin is the extreme male in the movie you know the right. wanting sex all the time selena hypersexualized maybe She's definitely a sexy character. Catwoman is sexy, sexy as hell. Let's let's just say it. So she represents, I think, the extreme feminine half. And who do we have sitting right in the middle? Batman. We have have Bruce Wayne. And what what does Batman do in this movie? I think Batman reconciles the halves. I think think he takes on, uh, at the end of the movie, when he takes the cat, I think that's a little bit of femininity coming out of that little bit of nurture comes out. And... I think he, as I said, I think he makes peace. I think there's a case to be made that he reckon that he completes the circle here right. for himself, that he reconciles some things. Um, so I know we've talked about her before on the show with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. How awesome is she in this movie? Oh, she's incredible. What is it for you? Her transforming. I feel like she plays almost two characters in a way and seeing her change like that. It's kind of like we talked about with Sigourney Weaver last week, where mm-hmm. she has the dual role, right. and and she really does. It really does feel like the two characters mm-hmm. here. I like everything that she does as an actress in this movie. Everything from the moment you first see her to uh, to the very end of the movie, and the transformation that she goes through as uh, when she is cat, the Catwoman, right. you know, is is really amazing to watch. Okay. And she, like Michael Keaton, has those eyes, those those crazy, crazy, awesome, beautiful eyes and that say so much and can convey things without saying a word. Mm-hmm. And uh they white did they kind of do her powder white it looked a little like they put like a really yeah. white icy foundation on her mm-hmm. and those red lips and it just all just really popped. I thought she looks beautiful in the movie, but that's not what really stands out to me when I when I look at you know her, I'm not going oh look how beautiful this woman right. is. Um, it's how awesome is this 
this performance. This is it's, it's so much fun to watch, okay. you know. And and both her and Devito, I think, you know, it's all stood up, you know, to the test of time. Mm-hmm. Like I, to me, that is the Catwoman. She is the ultimate Catwoman. Exactly. I don't, you know, everybody else will be compared to her. Mm-hmm. I think she's absolutely, just absolutely brilliant. Um, what do you think of? As I said, we have two movies going on here. We have a monster movie and we have a love story going on. So what do you think of the monster movie? I think you're pretty on board with the monster movie. Oh, yeah. And how, <laughs> how dark is that monster movie? Think about how dark it's that is. We sent dark. it Passover. Yeah. We have, uh, we again, as I said, he's a booger. I think he's he's one of the great boogers of all time. And, you know, we, we've talked quite a bit about Freddy Krueger on this show. And, and we mentioned Robert England every week. He's one of our favorites. And, yes, we really do want him to come be on the show, people. Mm-hmm. So... We're going to try and make that happen. Um, but, you know, to kill kids, that's it's Freddy Krueger territory. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Freddy Krueger, and, and it's premeditated because he knows exactly which kids he wants to go after. Exactly, you know? he has a list. He has a list, and that's that's biblical wrath of God, I anger think, that's coming. I that's, think this movie's much darker than you would think it, you know, without... Kind of go without seeing it, and you're like, "Oh, it's a Batman movie." Maybe you know, right, right, and that's and that's one of the other great. You know, we were talking about the irony. This movie came out in the summer, and we have to talk about this. Uh, This movie led to Tim Burton kind of getting let go from the from the Batman movies because uh, parents, uh, 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 a group of parents, got angry because. Now, let me say this: the movie's rated PG thirteen. So, why are you going to take a young child to go see a PG thirteen movie? (laughs) Okay. And they went and saw this movie, and it apparently traumatized these kids. Okay, well, movies rated PG thirteen. Yeah, maybe don't bring you know. Maybe don't bring a small child. And I don't think the previews were were you know. Uh, it's there. It's there in the previews for this movie that this is what it is. Right. And, uh, but I'm also gonna say that I think some of that was the parents overreacting because. Uh, Kids can handle certain things mm-hmm. to a certain, you know, I'm not saying like a three or four year old, you know, wouldn't be scared to right. death of, of that. The penguin's scary looking, you know, uh, my good friend Kate, he said, man, Dan, Danny DeVito scared me in that movie. And he was, you know, eight or nine when the movie came out. And, um, but you know, I think kids can, I think kids like boogers, you know, right. I did when I was a kid, but it's just dark and, and some parents, you know, caught on to it and they raised the stink and. Then, uh, you know, here's the irony of ironies. The McDonald's Batman Returns Happy Meal. <laughs> the Batman. Think about that, people. The Batman Returns Happy Meal. Ooh. Uh, and they, you know, they didn't want to take their kids to get a Happy Meal with these characters from this movie. Again, it's rated PG-13. They never said it was for kids. It was never, I don't think it was marketed to kids so much. Maybe. I could be wrong about that. But, um and they didn't feel like they were getting the return on the investment. And then there's all this anger and people really don't get the movie. So they gave him, they gave him the Hevo. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with the monster part of this movie, right. but, uh, it's very dark. That is, that is slasher movie material right there. That is, that's hall of fame slasher material, you know? So that, that movie, like I said, there's two movies, that one works for you, mm-hmm. but there's also a very, romantic mm-hmm. story in this and i think a very sweet story okay. about these two people who who belong together i think they belong together so. what do you think of the of the love story in this i love the love story i think it's sweet i think it fits well like you said i wish they were together in the end 
I I wish I wish they had gotten together. I I always pull for them to get the. I've seen like I said, I've seen this movie at least thirty times. You know, throughout my life, going back, you know, almost almost thirty years now with it. And I go back to this movie about once a year. And uh, I pull. I, I want her to choose differently at the end. I want her to go with him. And but I think it's really sweet. And you got two really good actors here. You got Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. Michael Keaton's great. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer's great. How great is it seeing not only these two great actors together, but one thing that I'm thinking of right now is these really strong characters of Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, and you see them kind of soft, vulnerable mm-hmm. in a way. What, what was? What do you think about that? It's nice. I like it myself personally in the movie. Um, it's a nice. What's the word I'm looking for? See, all my words are gone today. It's that sun in the baseball. It's a nice change from their darkness throughout the whole movie. I think they lighten up when they're when they're around each mm-hmm. other. I think that uh, I think that he, I think that he likes her. Mm-hmm. I think he genuinely likes her. I think he genuinely uh, liked her. I think he thought she was pretty the first time he saw her, which was very early in the movie. Mm-hmm. In one of those great scenes where he's just looking at her with mm-hmm. those eyes, and she's on the street when he's in the costume. But I, I think he, I think he is more changed by this than she is. Throughout the movie, as as we said though, Batman's the one right. changing through the movie. I think this gives her a glimmer of hope. <clears throat> I think I think it redeems her in a, in a way. I think that mm-hmm. I don't think that she has a redemption arc. I, I think she's an she's an unredeemable character if she doesn't have this kind of thing that's keeping her kind of right. grounded. I think she goes off the rails without without Bruce Wayne in this movie. And I'm not saying that you know. Yeah, because she's a woman and, and you know the super feminist. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I think she was so you know broken psychologically that she goes off the rails without Bruce Wayne keeping her in the middle, which is where he is in this for for this entire movie. He is the center of the movie, even when he's not on mm-hmm. screen. So you think that the love story really works? Mm-hmm, of course. Now let me ask you this: one of the criticisms, as we said, is that uh, some people say this is a movie where the plot is kind of a convenience and it's confusing. I don't think that the plot to this movie is confusing at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's convenient. I like the fact that these two stories are kind of kind of butt up against each other. Right, I too. like that it's two different movies. Um, do you? How do you feel about that? Do you agree with me that there are two different movies, and, and do you like these movies? Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think it would be the same movie if it was any different. I, I, I really, I really don't either. Um, there is a character that we have not talked about as much as the other ones. Mm-hmm. And that is Max Shrek. So just any, any thoughts on Max Shrek? I love him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why the whole time. I'm like, God, I really like this guy. <laughs> I don't know why I like him so much. For a big part of it is, is the guy they have playing him. Right. Uh, yeah. Cause I don't think I would like him. If he is anybody else, you know, <laughs> you know, he's an icon. I mean, he, he's iconic. That's an icon, you know, uh, he, he was, uh, you know, a little bit of trivia. He was kind of a last minute addition. As we said, he was created for this movie and, uh, the original guy, it was going to be Harvey Dent was going to be kind of that stand in and Billy D Williams was going to come back and, and Billy D signed on for the original movie with the intent that he was going to be two face. Mm-hmm. Like, in the third movie, he was right. going to turn into Two Face, and um, anyway, so then Billy, I don't know if if Billy D changed, if he had to drop out, or as the Something fates allow, 
Billy D was not in the movie. Then they got Christopher Walken. Uh, Christopher Walken is great. I again, I like the function that he serves in this movie because he's the only character I think that that has spends time with yeah. with all of them, mm-hmm. and he's he's the linchpin of the of yeah, the whole he plot. Ties them all together, and he's he's really good in this. He really is. He's he's really and Christopher Walken is always good, but he's like you know for even for Christopher Walken. Uh, he's really, really great in this. And uh, do you, you like Max? Uh, I think he's I, th- I think he's just as big a bastard as the penguin in this movie. <laughs> I, so I I feel bad for Selena Kyle. He makes me feel sympathy for Selena Kyle. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I think you know from the uh, analytical standpoint, I think he's the stand-in for for Gotham City in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's he's uh, society, and you see how society treats each of these characters and uh let me ask you this this is kind of a curveball here what do you think bruce wayne not just bruce wayne public citizen uh where do you think he fits in in this world that's a good question i don't know i'll let you i'm gonna let you think about that let it simmer i'll let you think about that so we uh we're gonna go to break but before we do we have a new piece of music. This is one of Bobby's favorite bands. This is Polly Walnuts. We've had some Polly Walnuts. We have. On the uh, on the show before. They play out there at Hammerhead Hanks and Ivan the Terribles and all these other places over there off of Sacred Burial Road. But this is Polly Walnuts and this is a track. I really like this track. This is called Life of Crime. So we're going to leave you with this track. I am Dan, and I am Faith, and you are listening to The Late Night Fright, and we will see you on the other side.
Hey, Faith. Hey. What are we going to be watching next week at the King's Palace Drive-In Theater? The Old Dark House with Boris Karloff. Mm. What's that? That's my Boris Karloff is the Frankenstein monster impression. Wow. If you say so. We'll be right back. WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio is proud to present a special preview of Goat Avengers, a new show to be broadcast here on WKMF in association with Lo-Fi Television. My name is Zap Bagels. I never believed in goats until I went to a petting zoo. That experience changed me forever. That goat bit me right on the ding-ding, and I swore from that moment on it would never happen to anyone again. Me and my team are documenting goat hauntings across this country. Together, we are the Goat Avengers. We're here today at the Parcheesi Farm. They have an infestation of goats. Our investigation begins with an interview of old Farmer Parcheesi. So, Farmer Parcheesi, how did it happen? Well, one night me and the missus was in bed and we heard this brrrr. We heard these hooves click clacking on the wood floors down there. And we heard him in the pantry. Next morning, we found that he'd eaten all the canned salmon. Absolutely reprehensible. We set up our recorders and caught this. Confident the infestation was real, it was time to call that billy goat out. Hey! I hear you like to eat canned salmon. I've got something you can eat. Why don't you come out and get me? You think you're bad? Billy Goat Gruff ain't so rough. He made a play for my ding-ding, but luckily we got him before he got us. Be sure to tune in to WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio for the continuing adventures of the Goat Avengers. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And Faith, what did you think of the track from Polly Walnuts called Life of Crime? That was really good. Very groovy. Very groovy. Mm -hmm. It sounded like something out of a 1970s heist flick. It really did. Didn't it? I I really liked it. I like that band. I can see why Bobby likes him so much. Mm -hmm. By the way, he is still in the studio. And in case you're just joining us, Bobby has been cursed by Queen Fatima, the wife of our mayor, Lucius Morningstar. She is also a member of the Dark Wizard Society of Cozy Corner. Apparently a very powerful witch. And Faith, do you want to say Bobby mispronounced her name? He got two letters confused. Go ahead, Faith, and say how he say it how he said it. I'm pretty sure he called her Queef Natima. Queef Natima, a very big social so faux pas, and our friend 
Bobby did not know that he had done it, which is why he didn't apologize. He has since apologized, but she cursed him before he could formally apologize. And just all manner of just little nitpicky things have been happening to him. He thinks he's cursed, and um, you know, I'm. I hope it all works out. Me too. Yeah, he's a great guy. And uh, if you've noticed, too, we haven't taken phone calls tonight because we we had a little incident last week with the town. And hopefully, you know, we'll get into uh, we'll open them back up eventually when we start talking to everyone. Maybe again. we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. But um, they stormed the studio like something out of a Frankenstein movie. It wasn't wasn't very nice and we had to run and anyway accusations and names were hurled at each other and one of those things just here in cozy corners never a dull moment nope. anyway speaking of never dull batman returns we're wrapping up our discussion on this movie that we both really like you you love this movie don't you of course i, I love this movie <laughs> uh final thoughts you know uh if you're new to the show we like to do our favorite things at the end and uh this one you know usually especially if we're doing like a slasher film or, or a straight kind of horror film you know it's kind of easy because there's you know the favorite kill and mm-hmm. and, and these kind of things this one it's a little different um but uh there's a lot of good stuff in here might this might actually kind of be difficult to get some of these uh, some of these down so let's start with favorite performance i'm gonna go michelle pfeiffer Michelle Pfeiffer. That's that's a <laughs> good that's a good choice. Um, it's you, tough for me. It is it is tough every because everybody in this and you know and we didn't talk about Michael Goff as Alfred. Alfred mm-hmm. is wonderful in this movie too. I'm choosing her for her. Um, just I guess she's kind of playing two characters, so I feel like in a way she's changing into somebody else and she's more broad. So and she's great. She is. She's she's great because she only has a little bit of time at the beginning to show mm-hmm. you who that woman is, and then and, but you know who, she but is. you know exactly who she is. She's mm-hmm. she's great. I I'm gonna go with a with a bit of uh, it wouldn't I don't think this is the obvious choice for this movie. I'm actually going with Michael Keaton. I think it's not the uh, showy performance like right. like DeVito or, or Michelle Pfeiffer, but he uh, watching this movie again. If he doesn't work. If if what he's doing doesn't work, the movie doesn't work, right. and I think he kind of had the hardest bit to do. And the fact that uh, and you know he lets these little shades of humor out with with Bruce and and with Batman. He's I I think he's I think they're all depressed in this movie, mm-hmm. but and he's depressed. He is depressed, but I think there's light at the end of his tunnel, and I think he's coming. This movie's about him coming out of that, right. and. Uh, I like everything that he does in this movie as Batman and as Bruce Wayne. And that's a knock on the movie that they don't like, you know, him as Batman or Bruce Wayne. But I think that this movie really nails Batman. I think, I think it really does nail it. And there's a lot of people disagree and that's fine. That is absolutely fine. And as we said, if you disagree right into us, let us know, let us know. But the only thing I'm going to ask you to do is watch the movie again (laughs) After listening to the show, before you write into us, if you want to disagree with us, that's fine. If you disagree, we love it. I'd, I'd love to talk to somebody who doesn't like this movie and, and have a discussion with them. I think that would be, be kind of cool, actually. But mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who don't like it. This is always toward the bottom of the Batman movies, like right. as far as the favorites go. But I've never understood that, but I'd love for someone to explain to me. But I'm, I'm going to go with Michael Keaton, but 
they're all really, really great really in this movie. Like I said, every everybody. So that's favorite performance. Do you have a favorite character? I'm, I'm guessing it's Catwoman. Yeah, honestly, it was between her and Max Shrek. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's Catwoman for me. I think Catwoman, when she shows up in the movie, she completely owns mm-hmm. owns this movie. And going back to Keaton, I want to give Keaton a lot of credit here because Keaton lets those actors do their thing. He could very easily have said, "I'm Batman." I'm, I'm Batman. Right. <laughs> he could have easily said, "I'm Batman. I want to, yeah, you know, me I want to let over. me be in the movie." Then mm-hmm. you know, and he, you know, he, I think graciously and gracefully let them. You know, they made the best movie that they could. Mm-hmm. I really think they made a great movie. Um, so that's uh, it's your favorite. You're going with with Catwoman yeah. or Shrek? I'm Catwoman. Go with Catwoman. That's my first choice. Catwoman. Catwoman is my first choice too. Again, I like them all. Me too. Uh, favorite costume and we didn't talk too much about the costumes in this movie i think the costuming in this movie is great and i think this is my favorite batman look Mm -hmm. in any live action live action film i do like the affleck suit that they had in 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 those justice league movies Mm -hmm. i really like this suit i like Mm -hmm. his suit in this movie and again it's such a travesty that we didn't get that third burton movie right uh, I saw what his suit would have looked like in that, and it was so. Have you seen pictures of this? I don't think so. His suit that they had concocted for what would have been Batman Three. I think they were going to call it Batman Continues. Is is what the Tim Burton version was going to be. Okay. It was actually gray and black with the yellow symbol. It looked like oh, nice. right out of the original comic, comic books, and you can see there's a picture of it online with Keaton's face in oh, it because cool. he had done he had done fittings for it, like oh, wow. you know when they thought that he was going to be. You know, the third movie. But uh, uh, we didn't talk too much about the costumes. Costumes in this movie are absolutely brilliant, I think. And uh, Catwoman's, there is something about that suit. And I'm not talking about it from me being a red-blooded American male and appreciating the female form the way that I do. And boy, does she look good in that suit. Uh, Uh just the entire design of it, the mm-hmm. subconscious things that are going on with it, with the with the stitching and, and her fractured personality, and also the way that it unravels throughout the movie, mm-hmm. which Selena is doing because Selena cannot find that that bit of completion. And I think the 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 costumes really inform the character too. Mm-hmm. The characters, yeah. There's a penguin with that Victorian look to him, and and his costumes are absolutely brilliant in this movie too, and beautiful like those beautiful grays and and, and mm-hmm. blacks and whites that he has again like a silent movie it, it really really kind of comes off that way um did you have a favorite scene in the movie i think we have the favorite favorite scene i mean the same favorite i think scene. we ha- i have two scenes that i really like although one's not really a scene it's more of a it's more of kind of a small like moment um my favorite little moment is when he sees selena on the street for the first time when he comes into the uh uh, when the circus gang and, and costumes, the, the the design on the circus gang is is right. is beautiful and so Tim Burton. Yes. <laughs> um, it's like a the whole movie's like this like psycho freak circus or something. I don't know, yeah. And uh, the uh, now what was what was I saying? I was talking about the, the, the favorite scene. The favorite scene. Oh, okay, yes, a I little moment with you. Okay, so my favorite little moment though is when he goes and he breaks up the the circus mm-hmm. attack on the town square and he sees Selena Kyle for the first time and right. 
that shot of Batman, just those eyes, just the light on the eyes, and he's looking at her, and and I think it's great. That's my favorite little moment. Now, my favorite scene, go ahead and tell them what yours is, because it will cover mine as well. When they are at the ball together without their mask on. Right. They show up to a costume party Mm -hmm. without wearing a costume, but... Are they wearing a costume? Right. Is that not the real question we should be asking? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think they are wearing costumes when they show up to that party? I could see that. I think they are. (laughs) (laughs) I think they are. I would also like to say one of my favorite moments, too, and I have so many. This is the whole thing. Uh, Um, All of them. All of them. Uh, One of my favorite moments, I think it's very sweet, is when she asks, why did you come? And he says, to see you. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, I like when they quote the mistletoe thing again at each other and they find out who they are. The mistletoe. You know, I told, uh, I told, let me get your opinion on this. I told our London listener, our number one fan, by the <laughs> way, our absolute number one fan, uh, Wendy Parker, the Cenobite queen from London. Uh, she heard that we were going to be doing Batman Returns. And I've, I've been doing this. Have you found that you've been doing this with people as we've been doing the show? Uh, I'll talk to people I know about the movie that we're going to be watching coming up. Do you do this? Do you, Sometimes. Do you kind of ask them, like, hey, what do you think about this movie? You know, just what do you, you know, I I've have. asked my, I ask my friend Kate all the time, uh, like, hey, we're doing this this week. What do you think about it? And right. just to hear what they think about the movie. So Wendy uh, had asked what we were doing. I said, well, we're doing Batman Returns. And she loves the movie. She absolutely adores Michael Keaton, loves Batman. Who doesn't love Batman? <laughs> and the mistletoe line came up. And she said that uh, it is great, but it is a little cheesy. A little bit. A little bit. Do so you go there with me on, yeah. with her on the on the cheesy thing? You think you need crackers with that one? <laughs> I don't. I don't know that it's uh, it's cheesy. I, I I can see where where y'all are coming from on it, but uh, I like the line. I think it's I think it's a great line. Um, my favorite line in the movie is when he sees her. In Shrek's office, and he says, "I mistook me for someone else." Mm-hmm. And then she has the little follow-up with him. I forget what exactly she. Wait, I mistook. Isn't that what I said? Ah, <laughs> uh, as only Michael Keaton can do. Uh-huh. Uh, that is that's one of my favorite lines. I, I, it's hard, Faith. There's so many good moments in this movie. You, you like so you it? Have to say all of them. All of them. So. Are we have we come to the conclusion that my cop out from several weeks ago when with which which line is your favorite in Predator? I don't know. All of them. That is kind of a running theme now of the show. Just all of them. Yeah, uh let me see here if I have anything written down as far as uh anything else that I wanted to ask you about this favorite uh do you have a favorite music cue? I was gonna say that. I actually do towards the end of the movie when um Penguins talking to his army of penguins. The little patent music, the, 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 the little snared, the little military march. Yep. And he's talking about punishing all God's children. <laughs> yes, I like because part. all of God's children are equal with their erogenous zones blown sky high. <laughs> um, uh, music cute. I like the main title for this movie. Me I like too. Uh, it's the same theme from the first movie, but uh, I think it's a little uh, it's it's a little heavier. It's uh, a little it's got the choir in it too, that mm-hmm. Elfman choir. Like I said, it's the same basic principle. It's right. the Batman March. I just I just think it it 
I like this this version of it better than the original for some reason. Um, I really like the song uh, that's playing during the Masquerade Ball, the Susie and the Banshee song, mm-hmm. Face to Face, that Danny Elfman wrote. Uh, I don't remember if Susie had anything to do. I think she may have with the writing of it, but that's a beautiful song. It is. And fits this movie mm-hmm. so well and... and it's great too because it was written for the movie. If you mm-hmm. listen to the words, you know, uh, you know, heart to heart, tic tac toe, and all that, which are things in the movie. Um, so that's a that's a beautiful piece of music. I really like. We were talking about it um, when we were at the Hooters. That uh, I like the music. Maybe my one of my favorite Elfman pieces of all time is the uh, Penguin Deaths scene into the end with the uh, Catwoman. Yeah, you know, him seeing the shadow on the wall right. and picking up the cat, which I think is beautiful. What? Um, what do you think about the ending of the movie? I like the ending of the movie. Do you uh, do you think this kind of falls under the Empire Strikes Back kind of melancholy ending? Possibly, yeah. Possibly. Uh, the movie's very dark. I think the ending is dark. I don't think it's completely dark, though. I think there's a glimmer of hope at the end, and not just in her scene, you know, coming right. up at the end and having that one life or whatever left. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also kind of neat that you see the bat signal at the end because that means that, you know, he's in the clear. They've cleared his name. Right. Yeah, you because know, they tried to... Penguin tried to frame him. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> but um, I I think there's hope for Bruce Wayne at the end of this movie. So. And again, I think it's a, a real shame that that car drives off into the snow at the end. And we don't. This is all we get mm-hmm. from this story. I know that Batman Forever and Batman and Robin are technically a continuation of this story. Isn't that they're not. They're not. This is these two are are standalone movies to me, and this one, especially, I think there's something. It feels like a um, a poem in a way, like a really sad poem. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know, you know that I remember Paul McCartney said one time they were asking him about uh, the long and winding road, the song, and mm-hmm. and he said that you know he always envisioned it as a Ray Charles song and kind of a sad song and. He said, "There's nothing wrong with with sad songs." He said, "It's a good bag to be in sometimes." And I think, I think this kind of melancholy movie is a good bag to be in sometimes, and especially Absolutely. when it's done well. Mm-hmm. And this is done really, really well. And it doesn't feel like emo poetry written at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning, you know, while smoking cigarettes and drinking Maxwell House coffee. You know, <laughs> it this. And I wanted to say this too because uh, I. Uh, I don't have anything else as far as like things I brought in to to talk about. I think we're right. just kind of kind of letting it fly now. That's what she said. Um, this to me uh, is Tim Burton's best film. I think this is. I think there's a level of artistry at work here with the way that the shots are composed, with the lighting. My God, the lighting yeah. in this movie, the way that the lights come through and mm-hmm. play, and and the way that the characters are lit, and the color palette, and everything. And like I said, this was his baby from start to finish. This is Tim Burton's movie. I think this is unfiltered Tim Burton, and <laughs> and more so, I think than Edward Scissorhands. And I think it's great. Now, one of the other arguments against this movie is that it is a Tim Burton movie using Batman characters. Do you agree with that? That it's more of a Tim Burton movie than it is a Batman movie? No, not necessarily. I mean, yes and no, maybe. <laughs> I, I can I can see where they're coming I can from. See it. I can see it because I mean, visually, it looks like a Tim Burton movie. Yeah, it, it does. I but think it's it, still a Batman movie. Too. I think it gets to the essence of these characters mm-hmm. and and. 
it's amazing how it's so character driven. There's not like the big action sequence, like, Oh, we have to do this. Oh, we have, you know, you know, I like, you know, we talked about Hitchcock and Hitchcock didn't care about the plot. Like we talked about, I liked that this movie, there is a plot, right? There's, there's a unifying series of events that tie these characters together. I, I'm okay with the fact that the plot is, this is not a plot driven movie. I think it's refreshing. I like spending time with these characters. I like, I like getting to know them. I like hating one of them in particular. (laughs) Um, but, but I, I like what it says. I like what it says about loneliness and isolation. And these are things like Michelle Pfeiffer says that sometimes we don't really talk about the things that we're really feeling. And I think a lot of, I think everybody feels like this at one time or if you have not felt like this at one time or another, there's, I think there's something wrong with you. I don't think that you're, you're a, a fully formed human being. I think, I think that if you don't have these feelings and it's okay to talk about these feelings, what a healthy expression of these feelings. And, uh, some people too have said that Batman doesn't come off as heroic in this movie. I think Batman comes off as absolutely heroic in this movie. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, again, just the sheer act that he saves these children says so much about where that character is. And again, it's a character driven thing. Mm-hmm. There's not acts of heroism so much as there are shades of exploring what makes these characters tick and, uh, spending some time with them in the world. So what, what do you think about it? You like it. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> One of, my, one of my favorites. So next week we have uh, another good movie. We have the Old Dark House, a Universal movie, uh, Universal Studios. Mm, not a monster movie so much. Uh, it's not in that kind of monster canon, but it was directed by James Whale, who did Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein and Invisible Man. So one of the great booger movie architects of all time uh, was involved in this. And we have one of the great actors of all time, Mr. Boris Karloff, is in this movie. Uh, you haven't seen this, have you? I have not. Looking forward to it. Uh, do you have a lot of experience with any of those Universal monster movies outside of knowing that they're there, knowing who these characters? I know you know who those characters right. are. Uh, you know, not so you're looking, much. you're looking forward. Oh yeah, you're looking forward to this. Uh, how familiar are you with Karloff? Not too, too, too familiar. So this is outside of like the Grinch and 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 Frank, obviously. Right. Everybody knows. Frankenstein. So this is this is exciting. You're you're oh, yeah. <laughs> you're going you're going into the deep end of the pool with yes. with Boris Karloff here. This is great. And like we were saying earlier, this is why you know we're doing this show. And I think this is part of the joy for me in doing this show. And I hope this comes comes off to to you out there listening to it. Is like I said, I have formal schooling in screenwriting. Uh, you you don't. That's <laughs> You you know you've looked at some books though and you 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 do you are familiar with the terminology though right. that that we use here, and I think it's great. I think it's a great point and counterpoint to uh, to our discussions here. And part of it is you get to uh, I get to introduce you to some movies that you are not familiar with. But the great thing is you are going to be introducing me to some movies that I haven't seen. There's one we're going to watch The Descent. Uh, at some point, that's the one, right? We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna watch the Descent. I wanted to make sure I got the right movie. I have not seen the Descent. There, you know, there are so many hours in a day, and so many <laughs> there are things to do sometimes. So that one, uh, that one got past me. But we're, it actually shocks me you haven't seen that. <laughs> it it shocks me too. It really does. It's so good. Um, 
as we said, life gets in the way sometimes, but, uh, so we're going to, so that's the spirit of this show. This is what we're doing. We're watching movies that we like. I am, uh, I'm introducing her to some films. We're revisiting films that we both like, mm-hmm. and she's also going to be introducing me to some things that, that I haven't seen, or we're going to you know be rewatching some things that, you know, neither of us have seen in a while. So this is, this is the spirit of the show. And like we said, our sincere hope is that you get some laughs out of it that you uh you know it's it's a good way to spend you know it's a pastime it's you get to spend a couple hours an hour and a half or however long uh you know listening to us and having a good time and getting a chuckle and maybe learning something along the way we hope that we're not you know preaching to you that right. it sounds like a i don't think it sounds like a classroom do you no, it doesn't sound like just two friends old friends talking and um and then the other hope is that if you're new to horror that you get into some of these booger movies yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen these movies, you go and watch them. And really that's my sincere hope is that you watch the movies either bef- when you hear about what's coming out or after and, and that you spread the word on these movies. Cause these are movies that we like. And we decided after the remake episode of Friday the 13th and Elm street that we weren't going to do any more movies that we didn't like. Why? Life is short. Why Why spend that time talking about something that you don't like? Exactly. So we're doing movies that we like from here on out. And we hope that you will continue to join us for this. Uh, and should we tell them what we have coming up? Some some things that are coming up, you know, outside of the show on the old dark house that yours truly and and faith truly are going to be doing. Uh, we're gonna have some commentaries coming out. Mm-hmm. And should we tell them what we're doing? Should we? I think we should keep it a secret. You want to keep? Okay. Keep Let's keep it. A, can we give them a hint? Sure. Can we give them a hint? I'm just going to say that it's the England double bill. That's all I'm going to say. It's it, so start, start your engines <laughs> figuring out what that is. Uh, so we're going to do uh, some movie commentaries uh, sometime at the end of this month, at the end of March. And so instead of a, a regular show, you're actually going to get uh, not just one commentary. You're going to get, two commentaries um moving forward we are going to be doing some mini reviews uh on the tales from the crypt episodes and both of us are going to be involved in that so uh so be looking looking for that our good friend bobby is also going to be doing some short movie reviews that we will be posting on our on our page uh, he'll be doing some non-booger movies because bobby doesn't really like the creepy crawly movies he mm-hmm. said that before and uh, we have that going. And then also, uh, I want to let everybody know about Running Mate Studios. That is a venture that I have. You've heard me talk about my good friend, Cade. Faith knows Cade. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, Running Mate Studios. We are on the Instagram uh, at Running Mate Studios. Imagine that. Oh. And my very good friend, Cade, is out there. He's a wonderful animator. He's a wonderful musician. He's a, he's a great friend on top of it. He's, he's, he's my brother. And... Uh, a uh, lot of love and uh, he's out there. He's just doing this great job with these little things that we've done. And uh, you can check that out. We have two shows going on Instagram. Uh, that's a shameless plug for, for things that are going on faith and uh, another shameless plug. Uh, there's a book that's going to be coming out soon from the late night fright publishing here called the other side. I think that you're going to, it's a comic book. It's a graphic novel. Faith, you, you've seen it. I have. What do you think of it's it? It's amazing. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. People are going to love it. We're, uh, we're going to be getting to, that soon, uh, getting to that soon. And we're also 
going to be doing a giveaway. Uh, we have we have some fun little stuff, so stay tuned. Uh, haven't decided exactly what the parameters of the giveaway are yet, but we're gonna we're gonna have uh, faith. What do you think about what we're giving? We do know what we're giving away. Mm-hmm. What do you think about what we're giving away? Oh, I love it. She has one. I have one. She has she has one special. It's right over here, actually. These are and these are handmade. I use it every day. These are handmade uh, uh, gifts. That we're going to be, so we're going to figure out how we're going to do that. But stay tuned, stay tuned for that. Uh, go visit us on Instagram, uh, the Late Night Fright Podcast, and go visit uh, our website, which is latenightfright.com, uh, I believe. It's, I should know that, but it's latenightfright.com. And uh, I feel like I had one. Go subscribe to our email list. And if you have time, please go give us a review and rate us. Faith, do you have, do you have anything else that we need to, any, any, any bit of business here? I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything either. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, one other bit of business. Uh, it's a horror podcast uh, is coming out soon. If you like this show, please give them a listen. They have been big supporters of this mm-hmm. show from the very beginning yes. and are still supporting this show. Uh, we are returning the favor to them and we're not doing it because we feel obligated to do it. You know, we do feel that one good turn deserves another. We're also doing it. I, I listened to their introductory episode yesterday. I think it's going to be a fantastic show. I think if you like the history elements that we're talking about here, uh, they're going to dive into the history of horror. And I think it's going to be, uh, hopefully it'll be a really fascinating ride. And we want to just uh, tell you, if you like this show, please check them out. They have done nothing but support us. And uh, I, very happily support them too and wish them nothing but the best. And if there's anything uh, that you guys, you know, anything we can do for you, you know, you know where we are, you know how to, you know, get in touch with us. Maybe there might even be some kind of crossover. Maybe so. Possibly, you know, maybe we'll send them some news items, you know, cause there's some, there's some weird stuff that goes on here in cozy corner. So we are going to take a very short break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap this thing up and faith, we're getting close. You know, we've never finished the show. I know. Maybe we will tonight. Maybe we will tonight. So we will see you on the other side. <laughs> Bobby, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright. If you are getting it on, thinking about getting it on, or perhaps have just gotten it on, then Afterglow is the show for you. Join me as I play the best classic soul and R&B slow jams. My show is responsible for having made more babies than any show in the history of shows. Fact. My show is also responsible for having played the 1972 Tower Power Classic, Still a Young Man, more than any show in the history of shows. Fact. Come get it on with me, Bobby, every Friday night after the late night fright. Afterglow. Love that, Bobby. Yeah, I know. WKMF cannot verify the validity of any claims made by Bobby, but we do urge you to listen to his show.
Welcome back, boogers, to the Late Night Fright here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we have a gentleman, I think most of you, if you've been listening to the show, know this is uh, our good friend Bobby. He is the host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the Late Night Fright. Bobby, Bobby's been having kind of a weird week. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, well, you do have a curse you right. know, put on you by uh, Queen Fatima, you know, a dark, dark sorceress, Bobby. But uh, we're not, we're not going to talk about that. Um, what do you think of Batman Returns, Bobby? Yeah, I like that one. I like that Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman suit. That's that's probably my favorite favorite part of it. But uh, what is all that crap coming out of Devito's mouth in that movie? It's like. It's like tobacco, like, you know, like he put some big leaf chew in his mouth and like, you know, the food color coming down, it's just like dripping down his mouth, you know, very gross. He has a real creepy crawler in that movie. I don't like him too much. I'd rather see that Michelle Pfeiffer. You know what I'm saying, Dan? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Bobby, I, uh, I, I definitely know what you're saying. Faith, do you, do you know what he's saying? Yeah, I know what he's saying. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, it's been a pretty uneventful night, you know, but like I said, you know, we, we, we're not taking, taking phone calls cause we're not talking to the town Mm-mm. right now. We're talking to each other and we're talking to Bobby, but so yeah, that was just so wrong what happened last week. And what's, what is that? Do you, is that a Bobby? Is that your phone ringing? Yeah, that's my phone ringing right now. Hold on. Let me get it. Hello? Bobby, have you learned your lesson? Oh, no, it's that dark wizard lady again. Oh, jeez, I've, I've apologized to you. I am really sorry. I did not mean to call you Queef, okay? It just, you know, you got them two letters, like, they all backed up. You know, I don't know. Maybe I might have a touch, you know, where I might need to go get checked out. Where, you know, I might not, you know, process words the same as other people. Okay, so do you want me to do it right here on the air? Do you want me to apologize to you in front of everybody here in Cozy Corner? I will do it. I will formally declare it right here. Apologize now. Okay, okay. I, Bobby, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright, I am very sorry, Queef Natima, about- That's it. You will drop to the floor and slither like a snake. Oh my god, what is happening to me? You guys, I am not feeling good right now. Faith, is oh is he turning into a snake? Yeah. Um, oh, man. Like Look at... Oh, poor Bobby, man. Oh, that's... Faith, I'm, a, I'm actually a little phobic of snakes. Uh, me too. I don't... No, I'm being serious. I'm, I'm a little weak right me, now. Me too. I'm... Uh, I'm, I can't be in here with this. I I can't I can't be in here in this. We're not gonna we're not gonna finish the show. Yeah, again. I gotta get out. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, thank you thank you for listening. And and as is our tradition here, we have to call somebody a son of a bitch. Who are we calling a son of a bitch tonight? Queen Fatima, you little, little son, son of, of a bitch. Bi-